What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner, and today I'm going to be going through my weekly fundamentals report. So it is Monday. Happy Monday to everybody out there. I hope you guys are doing well. This fundamentals report is something I've been producing for, good Lord, I just passed 200. This is the 255th weekly issue, and there's been a couple weeks I've missed in there throughout the years, but um, it's been going for a long time. Still trying to push it out and get the readership up. So if you guys like this content, make sure you're subscribed over there on BitcoinandMarkets.com. Share it out there with friends and family. If there's people that you are trying to, um, or people that you meet, say at a Bitcoin meetup, um, share share the newsletter with them. Share my content. I appreciate that. Uh, you can also support my work over here on BitcoinandMarkets.com, which I will bring up on the screen right now. Um, my content is macro-focused, economics-focused. I have a degree in economics. I have a background in military planning and uh, intelligence and uh, all that stuff. So I have a kind of a unique macro-geopolitical background here to draw from. Um, that is my brand. And so anyway, BitcoinAndMarkets.com, where you find all of my content. You can support the show for $5 a month to become a full member, or you can get the premium tier for $15 and get my all-encompassing uh, price analysis and forecasting. Um, also, I wanted to bring this up here. We have I have released the September price forecast competition. This is open to, um, to paid members here on BitcoinMarkets.com. You put in a forecast for the price at the end of the monthly candle, and the winner wins 20 bucks. It's a pretty good deal. $5 a month, you get a chance to win $20 a month via Lightning Network. So um, it's a fun little competition. We've been doing this for several years as well. You also get your name up on the Hall of Fame. And let me bring that up, actually. I'll bring up the Hall of Fame. I think that's how it is. You can see all the different, we call them profits, because that's a holdover from in the very beginning of this competition. But you get a little wizard next to your name when you correctly, or when you're the closest with your forecast. And you can see all of the names here. That is our Hall of Fame. So it's a fun thing to do with the members over there on BitcoinandMarkets.com. You also get access to new stuff that drops. So I dropped this article, The Demographic Collapse, Why We Should Care. It's a 4,000-word post. It just got out of hand on this, um, but it is released to the paid subscribers first, and then in maybe a week's time, I'll put it out there for the public. But uh, I, this is the first in at least a series of two. The next one, I want to talk about how we possibly fix this or how to address it and where Bitcoin fits in. Uh, so that is coming up shortly. All right. Bitcoin fundamentals report number 255. I made this meme. I, I changed a meme that I saw on Twitter. Um, very similar to this. But yeah, so Paul Stortz and Bcashers, they're holding up drive chains. Uh, we're going to talk all about that today. I always start these newsletters off with a meme that kind of summarizes at least a little bit of what's going on for the week in Bitcoin. All right, snapshot up front. So for people new watching that haven't seen any of my other content, the different sections on here are headlines with Bitcoin and macro. Then we do a price analysis. 
then we do mining news, and then we do layer two news. So uh, we're going to step through all of that here today. A snapshot of Bitcoin. Uh, let me, sorry, bring that page back up. And I'll zoom in a little bit to make that a little bit easier to see. So weekly trend, it's droopy and boring. I didn't really know what to say here for the weekly trend because it's been so dang flat. It has been one of the most boring periods in since I've been in Bitcoin and I've been in Bitcoin for 10 years. So, I mean, this is, it's extremely boring right now, but that's the weekly trend. And, you know, it's the calm before the storm. That was the um, theme of last week's newsletter and it's continuing now. So media sentiment, I have downgraded it to neutral. We got a couple good things out. Like we'll talk about uh, Cambridge, their mining information or data that they put out they have revised uh, so we're going to cover that that was positive but the negative part is the etfs getting delayed so i downgraded this to neutral um, it has been positive even very positive in recent months but we're back down to neutral okay network traffic is slightly elevated uh, we will cover that in the mining section the mining industry however continues to be solid and days until having is 224 price 25907 at time of writing that is less than $200 down from last week and last week was like i don't know $60 up from the the week prior so in the last two mondays of the fundamentals report you know price has not moved from right around 26000 it is it extremely flat and stable market cap still holding on to that half a trillion market 504 billion satoshis per us dollar 38.60 one finny which is my denomination of bitcoin that i like it's one ten thousandth of a bitcoin sitting at two dollars and 59 cents mining sector last week or last adjustment which was about 13 days ago or so um, was plus six percent the next estimated adjustment is minus one and a half percent in about one day. Mempool is getting a little bit full at 187 megabytes up from about 140 last week. So that gives you an idea. Fees to get in the next block, though, have not really budged. Um, 58 cents. I believe it was about 48 cents last week. So that is no biggie. Median fee. Uh, to get in like within three to six blocks is 54 cents. Uh, Lightning network capacity. capacity. Bitcoin capacity is 4,756. That is down another 40 Bitcoins from last week. Continuing just fall, 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 fall. Uh, down almost a percent. <coughs> Excuse me. Channels. Uh Went down by 38 channels. That's about half, let's see, five hundredths of 1%, um, but it's still negative. Uh, nothing right now is making Lightning grow. It is one of these big disappointments out there in Bitcoin right now. But um, yeah, I'm tracking this for you guys to give you an update every week. Okay, in case you missed it, this is all the content that I put, content that I put out last week. So Market Pro... 
that uh, I talked about ETFs, manipulation, and mismatches between fundamentals and price. Um, kind of a longer, um, it's not so chart heavy last week for the Market Pro, but more kind of narrative heavy. And also the September price forecast competition for members. Lots of live streams. I, di- I didn't live stream on Friday because I got some bad news and I will cover that here in a second. Um, but I'm putting now FedWatch and my podcast and all these live streams. They're all going to be going in here so you guys can check out. I try to have somewhat of a informational title. That way you guys can look and see what you want to watch. If you can only catch one thing, you know, you can find something that like this reaction to grayscale wind. Um, at least you can find that stuff. Okay. Blog. Yeah. The demographic collapses here. Members only for now, but I have put out a few blog posts in the last couple months. This one is the coming multipolar world, a kind of synthesis idea of what I think the coming multipolar world will be. It's not as simple as us, Russia, China. It's a lot more complicated than that. So, um, check out my, some of my recent writings if you would like okay let's go to headlines first off i have some bad news fed watch which is the podcast i did with bitcoin magazine for i think two and a half years maybe three years ck originally brought me in and gave me that platform Uh, very very successful with predictions on that show we were the first to come out with, you know, talking about China and Evergrande um, months before it happened. We were talking about um, strong dollar thesis, a deflationary thesis, transitory versus runaway inflation. Um, took some very hardline stances on that show very, very publicly. And most of the large stances that we took came out exactly right. It was probably one of the most successful shows for predicting what's coming up, you know, in Bitcoin, in macro. And so anyway, now it is canceled. Um, I think I'm going to continue with this. I I wasn't told why, just that it was effective immediately. It's over. So I don't, I I still, I guess, own the, the IP maybe for FedWatch. So I'm going to continue it on my own. I don't know exactly in what capacity I'm going to do, but I might uh, do shorter five, 10 minute updates when a big macro thing happens um, and just label that under a FedWatch type of ongoing series on my show. But I'm going to continue that, maybe even get CK to come back on once a month or once a week and do a little FedWatch uh, reunion show with CK. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. That was also, by the way, a big part of making this show sustainable. Um, so that's why I'm pushing so hard on uh, becoming a member at BitcoinMarkets.com because, you know, to make this show sustainable, it needs to pay for itself at least, right? And so uh, FedWatch went a long way to doing that, and now that revenue stream is gone but all right let's get going further down here september price forecast competition i forgot to link this i should have linked it damn it but i did link it up here a little bit higher so you guys can find it um bitcoin energy use revised down 
So Daniel Batten, I think he's a great follow if you guys are not following him on Twitter. You definitely need to. DS Batten is his handle there. He's the one that's trying to install Bitcoin miners in the landfills to capture the methane. Um, and he's doing a great job. I think they have they have several locations up and going and they're expand, constantly expanding. So, um, you know, he is not only a good source of information, but he's doing great work in the space as well. Um, okay. As it turns out, the energy estimates that have been used to attack Bitcoin for years have been overstated by a lot, 67.6% to be exact. And he has a very long tweet that goes into multiple points. Um, so I recommend looking that up. I did link down here to the tweet. But overall, uh, they are still overestimating emissions by 67.6% due to emissions intensity calculations that are both overestimated and out of date. Um, let's see. The Cambridge model that, like, you know, the Greenpeace and the skull that they, uh, that was about six months ago, um, they are using outdated data that was just overestimating Bitcoin's energy use uh, came down to that they were like using numbers for older machines and they weren't keeping up with how fast newer, more efficient machines were taking over the hash rate. Um, and so they were overestimating it by a lot. And that is, you know, it's not that big a deal because Bitcoin, Bitcoin energy use is not detrimental. It's very, very positive. But this is good from the angle that Bitcoin won't be able to be attacked as easily in the press. So uh, very interesting. Uh, what else did I write? Okay, so you can go to the full report, but this is some of the stuff that they're talking about in there. The backbone of our previous CBECI methodology was the assumption that every profitable hardware model released less than five years ago equally fueled the total network hash rate. This, however, led to a disproportionately large number of older devices compared to newer ones in our assumed hardware distribution. We decided to thoroughly re-examine the ASIC mining hardware distribution generated by our previous CBECI model and cross-check the results against other metrics from publicly available data. We found that more recently released equipment appeared to be underrepresented and equipment nearing the end of its life was overrepresented. So big, big update here on Bitcoin mining, the Bitcoin energy use reported from Daniel Batten. He's been doing great work. Okay. BIP 300 debate. So <laughs> this is getting more and more heated. And I'm not following it all that much though, guys. Maybe you're surprised by that, but uh, I was a big, I had a big, um, I guess, footprint during the initial scaling debate back in 2016 and 17. Uh, some independent group like rated Bitcoin Bitcoiners by toxicity, according to how many times they used Bcash or something on Twitter. And I got the top prize for being the most toxic Bitcoiner back then. Um, I have not been paying attention to this debate really at all, just catching some of the highlights, some of the highlighted tweets. So in writing this, for today's newsletter, I had to go through and try to follow some tweet threads, 
pick out a few important things. So if you got maybe the guys over here on Telegram, you guys have been following this much more closely than I have. And you can fill me in on where I'm getting it wrong or where um, where I'm missing some important pieces. But OK, this is my attempt to kind of give a brief summary of what's going on here with this BIP 300. So Paul Stortz is a longtime Bitcoiner with a pet project called Drive Chains. And he's had it for a very long time. I think it predates the original scaling debate of 2016. I think if you go back, maybe he started it like in 2015, uh, this drive chain idea. He's been writing about it for a long time. And it never has caught on. Um, the economics of drive chains have been debunked many times. They fundamentally change minor incentives and the security model of Bitcoin. The big thing there is about merge mining and voting by miners i mean it just up it is a soft fork apparently but it upends a lot of the security assumptions in bitcoin and kind of stands them on their head plus it's just not economically relevant so this has been debated for a long time and it has never caught on i wonder why it's catching on right now and, and we'll get down here a little bit lower and see why that could be to get around this criticism, Paul must believe, one, miners are in charge anyway. So if if this changes the miner assumption or the security assumptions and puts miners more in charge, well, Paul will just say, well, miners are in charge anyway. When we went through the whole scaling debate and solved this question that miners are not in charge, 90 plus percent of hash rate wanted 2x and they didn't get it because they're not in charge. But Paul has to believe that in order to get around the criticisms of changing the minor incentives and the security model. Um, he also must, uh, and two, the security model of Bitcoin is fundamentally broken because of a fixed supply and decreasing block subsidy. We've talked about this on this show before, recently even, um, that people say that the fixed supply and the ever decreasing block reward or subsidy from the network will eventually kill Bitcoin because miners won't be mining anything. You know, there, there needs to be perpetual inflation or tail inflation to encourage miners to even mine. And so he's saying that that security model of Bitcoin, the way it is currently constructed is wrong. It's broken. And so to, to fix that, you make these drive chains and you merge mine these drive chains that the miners can get fees off of the, the alternate side chains. This, this is a very old idea. I think Satoshi actually mentioned this very early on. But Paul has continued to push this forward. Anyway, so he, to get around any criticism, he has to believe these things that we know to be wrong. Miners are not in charge and the security model of Bitcoin is not broken. But he has to believe that. Okay, those two, two things also happen to be pillars of the thoroughly humiliated Bcash and altcoin ideology. You'll find those same arguments in the Bcash from the scaling debate. And they have been completely, utterly destroyed. Okay, enter Andreas Brecken. He is a big Bcash scammer who obviously doesn't understand how Bitcoin works, but loves attacking it. Brecken has a company called Sideshift IA or uh, AI, sorry, and 
seemingly is funding Paul's company, Layer 2 Labs, to pump drive chains. So here's an example of how he's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> don't be tricked by no 2X. Segwit 2X, the New York agreement, is supported by every major exchange and has 90 plus percent of minor support. And guess what? It failed. So who's in charge? Miners are in charge? No. Nodes, economic nodes are in charge. But this is the guy here that is funding Paul to push this drive chain thing through. Okay. Drive the drive chain soft fork was coded by Luke Dash Jr. of SegWit fame. So Luke Dash Jr. is the one that I don't think he wrote the SegWit update um, or soft fork, but he came up with the idea of how to make SegWit a soft fork. Because for a long time, people knew there needed to be a malleability fix in Bitcoin, but they didn't know how to do it without making it a hard fork. And a hard fork is a completely different animal. Uh, soft fork is much easier. And so Luke Dash Jr. figured out how to make it to a soft fork. That is his claim to fame. Okay, so Luke has disavowed drive drive chain. Jeez, uh, disavowed drive chains, saying it was just a job. Okay, so he coded it, but he doesn't really care about it. Um, it was just a job. Paul is out there pumping this idea hard because he now has three million in funding from Bcash attackers. So Luke coded it, handed it off to Paul. Now Paul is pumping it. Um, the plot gets a little get lost oh geez the plot gets lost a little with david bailey of bitcoin magazine jumping in on the side of drive chains i don't even get why he put himself into this whole conversation he has been a huge supporter of ordinals and other scammy projects recently he also was called out for not understanding the basics of economic nodes versus miners so i don't know david bailey but apparently I mean, he's doing a lot of stuff in Bitcoin that is in the same vein. The ordinals thing, he's trying to crash GBTC or redeem GBTC. And he's also now on drive chains, which fundamentally changes minor incentives. A little bit fishier. Okay, so back to the main narrative. Many high-profile Bitcoiners have come out against drive chains as horrible, and Paul continues to make tweet after tweet promoting this as a way to kill shitcoins by putting shitcoins on top of Bitcoin. All coins exist to scam people. I assume many of the people know they are scams, but are just gambling. Drive chains won't stop that. And this is a little bit disjointed because like I said, I was trying to create a narrative. I said this is a little all over the place, um, but just bear with me on this. So, all right. Um, Layer 2 Labs, remember that's Paul's outfit, had a job posting for a meme lord as a way to meme drive chains into existence. They're trying to manufacture popularity. Of course, they are getting destroyed by the internet anyway. Others, like Bailey, are claiming this is popular with miners and proceeds to get destroyed by Pierre, who points out he's totally fabricating that support. So yeah, Bailey came out and said, miners are all about this. And Pierre said, that's a fabrication, complete and utter fabrication. Uh, Udi is in on it too. Basically, drive chain support is a collection of questionable people. This is the best take I've seen yet. Martindale, he's an old school Bitcoiner. I, 
wish I knew more. I probably knew about him more back in like 2016, but it escapes me now what, what he, his contributions were early on. But Martindale points out that the recently added tap route allows for building off chain drive chains. Therefore, the only reason to go with BIP 300 is to mess with the base layer incentives. This is an attack, plain and simple. You know, if you can make drive chains off chain with Taproot, why would you want to make them on chain and mess with the incentives? That's the only reason why, because you're trying to mess with the incentives. All right. Overall, this is a tiny debate compared to the 2016 through 17 scaling conflict. And I don't think it's going to get bigger. I think drive chains are pretty much dead. The idea has been around a long time. If it ha had any chance of getting traction, uh, it would have done so already. I'll restate that I think it has only caught traction because of Bitcoin's languishing price. If we were pumping or if there's more volatility in price, no one would care about drive chains. The drive chain side is using the promise of value appreciation to hide their attack. The alignment of personalities on separate sides of the issue are almost a clear line of Bitcoiners versus Bcashers. They lost hard in 2017 with a hard fork attempt, and now they're funding a soft fork attempt. I am not worried about BIP 300 because the game theory doesn't work. One tangential idea that has popped up is from Jimmy Song, who has proposed a hard fork to Bitcoin that would make soft fork attacks like this impossible. I don't know how that would work, but the idea is at least new and kind of interesting, unlike drive chains. BIP 300 is dead on arrival. It is a great reminder of Bitcoin's security model and incentives, and yet another way to weed out malicious actors in the space. Those who should know better but are still promoting drive chains are malicious. Take note. Okay, that's it for Bitcoin headlines. Get, let's get on to some macro headlines here. So BRICS, man, they just came from their big BRICS meeting where they expanded the BRICS, and now there's infighting just one week later. So just last week, the BRICS were expanding and threatening to kill the dollar by launching a new currency. Don't forget all the concerned peddlers talking about a commodity-backed super currency from the BRICS and the dying dollar empire. They've been exactly wrong for decades, and they will remain wrong and peddling in fear and only peddling fear. This week, the BRICS are having a breakout of infighting. China published a map showing a lot of Indian territory within Chinese borders. You can't make this stuff up. They can't agree on their borders, but somehow they will agree on a currency and monetary policy. I think the euro fried people's brains. The euro successfully launched, so people assume the BRICS can do something similar. But the euro isn't doing so well after only 25 years, and Europe was much more aligned than the BRICS. So yeah, I, I do think the euro kind of made people think this is more possible than it, it really is. But the BRICS are not going to be able to launch their own currency, like a centralized currency. They're going to use bilateral trade. They've already said that, that they're going to use bilateral trade uh, than a common currency that they make up out of nowhere. Because it's not just making a currency, it's making the financial system behind that currency. So let's say it's a gold-backed currency. Where's the gold held? Is New Delhi going to trust Beijing to hold their gold? I don't think so. 
I saw a map the other day. Uh, I know I shared it with Telegram of the most hated countries, each country's most hated country. So like Argentina, who's the most hated country for people in Argentina? Uh, well, Brazil, the most hated country was China. <laughs> They're part of BRICS. South Africa, uh, I think was was Russia or something. And India was China. I mean, this alliance is not, <laughs> it's not that close. And it's not that easy to build some globe-spanning financial system that people would have to trust off of that kind of relationship. If anything, it would be imposed. Now, who wants to be on a BRICS currency that's imposed? And where are they going to hold the gold? And let me just say something about the, the an oil currency. This is crazy because you know, money is not supposed to be consumed. You know, it's like backing Bitcoin or backing a currency with the flow of oil, not oil held in like a strategic petroleum reserve or something. That's not what's going to be backing oil currency. It's the flow of oil, like the petrodollar, which never really existed. Um, that's a stupid idea too, because it's super easy to disrupt the flow of oil. Just look at Nord Stream. That's a, a great example of how you can disrupt some sort of energy-based currency. It's kind of a ridiculous idea that people actually take it seriously. But anyway, here is a map of these border regions that China included in their map. And I will show a different picture here. So this is the 2023 edition of the standard map of China. Uh, notice also how the South China Sea is denoted. Five countries have now complained about the map, yet Russia has remained silent. So here is this map. Let's see if I can, if I bring it up, it will make it smaller. So I'm not going to do that. But so here in the South China Sea, if you guys can notice this, these purple dashed lines here, that's what China has. It's called the nine dash line, I believe. And that is what they have claimed is theirs, even though all of this other territory is claimed by the Philippines, Vietnam, Malaysia, Brunei, international waters. I mean, th this is just a big mess here in the South China Sea. So it makes all these countries upset, Belt and Road type countries, but also these this border area here with India. And I think also Pakistan had a border area that was causing some problems on this map as well. So, yeah, China is not making any friends with this, and India is the most populous country in the world, supposed ally with BRICS, yet the, China is just de facto, you know, seizing that territory. It's crazy. All right, so that was the China stuff. Euro use is collapsing. This chart is incredible. It shows use of euro in international payments crashing. Just last year, we heard the U.S. dollar was dying because the euro was near, nearly used as much. Things are changing rapidly. If this chart doesn't make you question the dollar derangement syndrome, nothing will, I guess. The euro is much closer to collapsing as a currency 
than the US dollar. And I did share this as well on Telegram this last week. Pink line is euro crashing down to about 25, 20 to 25% in international payments, where the dollar is exploding higher to about 45, maybe 48% of international payments in US dollars. So, this, I mean, come on, dollar derangement syndrome, my butt. The dollar is not going anywhere. The dollar will be backed by Bitcoin. And we're going to talk about that at the very end when we talk about layer two stuff. Okay, let's get on to price. So last week, $26,096. This week, $25,851. And it has gone up. Let me see what it's at right now. $25,903. Bitcoin has become a stable coin. It looked as if it could break out along the lines of the diamond pattern that I showed last week, but then went right back down into the holding range. There is not much to say about price other than this cannot go on much longer. Fundamentals are extremely bullish, yet price is not budging. Price is acting completely contrary to the fundamentals at this time. I wrote about possible manipulation on Market Pro last Friday, and I was going to link that forgot to do that if manipulation is happening it is not free it could also be that this market is gripped by apathy i said i'm feeling it as i write this there is very little life in this market right now the upcoming death cross should attract price toward it this week at that point if we get a rejection once again price should head straight for a test of twenty-five thousand. and let me see if i can make this bigger I kind of extended those moving averages. You can see it's about the 9th of September that we're going to get a death cross. Price tends to go towards these types of events. So um, I think we could get a rally into the cross. But if we get a rejection, that is not a good sign at all. It will be a lower high with no fuel in Bitcoin's bullish tank, even though the fundamentals are extremely extremely bullish. The weekly chart is looking very weak too. I would not be surprised with a test of the 50 day moving, sorry, 50 week moving average, but anything could happen. The next deadline for the ETFs brings us into Q4. Depending on when the days were logged with the SEC, it could be on Friday the 13th or Monday the 16th. Uh, If you guys have seen that table of all the deadlines and and stuff well they delayed it early you know they delayed it before the deadline so uh blackrock's deadline was the second which was saturday and they delayed it thursday night so it's two days earlier so on that table i don't know exactly when they are going to log that delay if they're going to log it on the second or if they're going to log it on you know, the 31st or whatever that was in August. One second. Yeah, the 31st was Thursday night. So if they log that on that day, that's going to push the 45-day limit closer in in October, probably to the 14th or so, which again is a Saturday. And that would put the most likely date to Friday the 13th. So I don't know exactly how these dates are going to work out, but that is roughly the time. Right in the smack dab in the middle of October, 
with Friday the 13th in play. So I thought that was an interesting date that they could be announcing the approval of any Bitcoin ETFs. But remember, Eric Balkunis, he said that he thinks one day we're just going to wake up and the, the ETFs will have been approved. You know, they're, they're not going to wait for some deadline. They could approve it in the middle of any sort of waiting period, right? So they delay 40 days, but maybe in 30 days, they'll approve it. That's what Eric Balkuna said. That, that is a possibility. All right. If there is manipulation happening in the Bitcoin price to accumulate, they have to keep it going until then. That is an expensive endeavor, in my opinion. There is much more volatility potential to the upside. With Bitcoin rushing off exchanges, pleb DCA continuing, and large allocators with cash on the sidelines, any dip will be bought aggressively. Therefore, to make money off volatility, up is the path of least resistance. And we have a weekly chart here. Just three weeks in a row of very little price action. Not at a high, not at a low, just hovering here. That's why when I look at this weekly chart, I think we could dip down here and touch this 50-week moving average, which is in green. That would bring us down to about 24,000 and then bounce off of that. But we need some accelerant, some catalyst in the system right now. And there is just nothing going on, even though the fundamentals are extremely bullish. So I saw this chart on Twitter and thought it was interesting. This indicator is showing a clear market bottom occurred back with FTX. So this was via, let me see the name, uh, CryptoCon underscore. And so these green bars are Chris Moody's market bottom indicator. So we have a high, I guess, a high range here on the bottom, and then it drops precipitously. That marks the bottom. Here we have a high region, drops precipitously. That marks the bottom. And we are dropping precipitously right now. So that is locking in this as a bottom. And I do agree that this FTX era, right before you know the new year here in 2023, so at the end, December, I guess, of 2022, was the bottom. So that is that. Check out the Market Pro for more. I have near-term or short, medium, and long-term forecasts on the market pro. And I even talk about other things like dollar. I talk about narrative shaping in Bitcoin, uh, talk about macro, all sorts of stuff. It's usually chart heavy, but like I said, it has been uh, like this last, last Friday was more narrative based. Okay. Mining, mining headlines. So uh, the Cambridge updates, Bitcoin mining index. That's what I talked about earlier. I just put in another headline link here. Um, this is a quote from the article. The university's 2022 power estimate was also adjusted down by 9.8 terawatt hours from 105.3 terawatt hours to 95.5 terawatt hours, putting Bitcoin's electricity consumption that year in roughly the same league as U.S. tumble dryers at 108 terawatt hours. I mean, it is kind of hard to bash on Bitcoin energy consumption when Christmas lights and dryers both have about the same amount of energy usage. It's right in there with other types of uses. Of course, Bitcoin, Bitcoin energy use will continue to increase. And there is an idea out there that 
Bitcoin should consume half of the energy in the world because money is half of every transaction. Um, so that would be interesting. But right now, it's nowhere near that. It's just in the league of U.S. tumble dryers. And that is that. Okay, next headline. Stronghold, they're a big Bitcoin mining company. They have an idea to burn tires to mine Bitcoin. And that has triggered an uproar in the U.S. Stronghold has apparently is apparently wanting to burn tires in Pennsylvania to mine Bitcoin. This is from the article. Stronghold spokesperson, Naomi Harrington, told the media outlet that substances like tire fuel, quote, are especially needed when the quality of the coal refuse is low in energy content, end quote. She also revealed that Stronghold has already obtained a permit to test the use of tire-derived power and now aims to secure authorization to use 78,000 tons of it. Okay, so what they're doing is they they are, you know, old coal mines. They're taking coal dust from old coal mines, which itself can be a pollutant and cause health effects and stuff. So it's good that they're getting this, they're managing the coal dust and they're actually using that. Um, but the coal dust, I guess, is lower in energy content than sometimes they need. So what they're doing is they're mixing some tire material in with that to make it burn. That's how I understand this story. And of course, it is not well liked. Of course, of course, that tires just sitting out there in nature is not very good. And neither is the coal dust. So they're putting these two things together. And I'm sure they're capturing pretty much all of the pollutants uh, in the process anyway. Uh, so they're taking two bad things and they're making the environment better. But just the way it came out, it's just, it sounds so bad, I say it is a PR nightmare. All right. So that's all for mining news. But we do have like hash rate stuff. So you can see I didn't replace this because nothing happened with the hash rate still or the difficulty still the same difficulty as last week. The latest was a 6% increase despite the price situation. Last week, the upcoming adjustment was estimated to be minus 6%. So last week's report showed the estimate at negative six, but that that estimate has actually gotten better to only negative 1%. So that's a huge vote of confidence from the people in the ecosystem with the deepest, widest exposure to major economic forces. You know, my, my thing about miners is I think miners have a very powerful insight into this market because they are, they touch every aspect, not every individual miner touches all aspects of the ecosystem, but as a whole, as the hash rate as a whole touches everything. So it's a, it's a huge indicator, a huge vote of confidence about this price. If we're seeing, you know, we went up 6% last week to a new all-time high. Now it's a 6, 6% drop actually has turned into a, only a 1% drop coming up. I think that's huge. It's absolutely huge. Okay. Mempool. Oh, did I forget to update this? Guys, I'm a one-man one man show here. I think I forgot to update this. Oh, no, I didn't. The mempool uh, has taken off this week, and you can see just over here on the far right, we had a little surge in the mempool. Um, mempool action typically picks up around periods of higher than normal price action. 
but we're not seeing that, right? So what gives? Maybe this is a leading indicator uh, where where hash rate and difficulty are kind of lagging indicators. They're they're confirming they're confirming the price. Mempool is could be a leading indicator of price movement, at least increased volatility uh, coming. So uh, this could be a sign that something is about to happen. Overall, this does affect fees, but they're still quite cheap. The network is functioning fine. All right. Last section here is Lightning and Layer 2. And the big thing that came out was that Liquid has open sourced their code. Their elements, element sidechains have always been open source, but exactly how Liquid works, uh, some of the technical aspects of it, I think, was closed source. But now they have opened this to uh, become open source so people can start launching Liquid clones immediately. This is a huge, huge deal, guys. I say longtime readers will know that I am very bullish on sidechains, not drive chains, though. <laughs> Uh-oh, my kids are making a mess here. Uh, I think Liquid provides a template for nations to adopt a Bitcoin standard and have a, a control over their nuanced rules. The next phase of CBDC development, which is as a which is a dead end right now. Man, I have typos in here, guys. Is central banks and nation states realizing what sidechains like Liquid can offer. It gives them the ability to back a CBDC with pegged Bitcoin. Now, before you guys go up in arms about, you know, about this and say I'm not a real Bitcoiner or whatever, uh, I say this is not ideal. I don't want CBDCs to be a thing. Better to have everything just directly backed by Bitcoin. But as I say here, Morpheus in um, the matrix, he told Neo that there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path, right? So side chains allow central banks and nations to walk the path to Bitcoin adoption without acknowledging it. They're more likely to use a side chain instead of on-chain Bitcoin. And then there's going to be some sort of atomic swaps probably, probably between side chains things maybe uh, to move the pegged Bitcoin around cryptographically. Uh, but that is more logical, I think, than nation states just straight up adopting on-chain Bitcoin. But they're moving in the path towards it. Now, do we have a Bitcoin only, no sidechain, no liquid standard in the future? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I do think that Liquid, like these sidechains, like Liquid, have a huge part to play. I think they are much more of a factor in the coming years than Lightning will be. I think Lightning will be drug behind. It will work. It'll be fine, but it will be drug behind. And Liquid-like sidechains are going to be the thing that really gets the adoption uh, because you can peg, you can back Back the liquid Bitcoin with Bitcoin, obviously. Uh, people can audit it. People can know what's going on. But at the same time, these nation states can put in their own jurisdictional rules around this. So like it or not, this is walking the path towards Bitcoin adoption. Uh, this week, Blockstream open sourced their liquid code. 
and this is just what they say. As of today, the Liquid Network's functionary code is free and open source to the public. The release allows anyone to audit the code that runs the functionaries and to create their own Liquid-like network with similar features, such as confidential transactions and asset issuance. All right, so that is that story. I might have ruffled some feathers there at the end, but uh, that is all. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe wherever you're watching this live stream, and also make sure you're subscribed over there on BitcoinAndMarkets.com. Share this stuff around all my content, including my newsletter, trying to really grow this podcast and offerings that I do here with all this stuff. That's going to do it. Thanks for joining me. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.